Hello, all, and welcome to the 29th episode of the Ocean Decade Show, a podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. My name is Taylor Gales, and I'm your host and tour guide on our adventure through the ocean decade. I'm very lucky that this month and last month have this kind of connecting theme that <laughs> has, done, has worked out well, um, that we're talking about vessels that are going on the ocean, um, which is I very ironic for me since my day job <laughs> is working on zero emission maritime shipping. So to talk about vessels and different kinds of vessels, these aren't the vessels that I'm used to working with, is, is super interesting. And this month, I'm not only talking about a vessel that is brand new, that is completely almost unlike anything you've seen before. There is one reference point in the past that uh, I'll point you to, but that's also being led by one of the, you know, fathers of adventure, one of the biggest explorers uh, of the past uh, 40, 50 years. Um, I'm very lucky to be joined this month by Dr. Jean-Louis Atienne, uh, the infamous uh, Arctic and Antarctic explorer who, in 1986, became the first man to reach the North Pole solo overland, pulling his own sled for 63 days. (laughs) I have trouble getting up my stairs, and he pulled his own sled for 63 days in order to reach the North Pole solo overland, which is just insane. He also has one of the most impressive lists of titles and range of expertise that I've ever seen when I was uh, looking him up in, in preparation for this podcast. He is, I'm trying to stay with me, Matt, now. He's a doctor of medicine, surgical intern, grand officer of the National Merit Order, commander of the Legion of Honor, member of the Academy of Technology, gold medal of the Geography Society, fellow of the American Explorer Club, fellow of the National Geographic Society, and IUCN ambassador for the Poles and the Ocean. And there's probably more. Those are just the ones that I was able to find. Um briefly. So this is a man who has done a lot and continues to do a lot for the ocean and has uh, tagged up with the Ocean Decade in order to push forward this fantastic new project that we'll be talking about today. Um, so in addition to his North Pole trip too, there's this this other these, these few other expeditions that I wanted to put your attention to. If you haven't heard of him before, there are these fantastic resources online to learn more. But between July 1989 and March 1990, so that's <laughs> over, it's six, seven, eight, nine months. Um, he was a co-leader uh, alongside American Will Steger of the International Transarctic Expedition, which used Transantarctic, excuse me, which used sled dogs to make the longest overland crossing of Antarctica ever accomplished, 6,300 kilometers. So as an American, everyone understands that I don't fully understand the metric system, but even I know that's a very long distance. It's just incredible that um, that's something he did after soloing the North Pole. And then the last expedition that I want to draw your attention to um, before I describe what we're talking about today, because it kind of relates to that. So in the spring of 2002, he undertook um, a sea ice mission, Mission Banquise, uh, where he drifted for three months on the sea ice around the North Pole in his Polar Observer capsule in order to carry out research and gather data on climate change. So I wanted to point this out for a few reasons. Um, 
because it has to do with drifting in in a vessel uh, in the Arctic. And that's what we're exactly talking about today. And this uh, collecting data too, and the importance of um, long-term observations in uh, the Arctic and Antarctic. So like I said, these are just a few of the many expeditions and fantastic ventures he's been a part of over the past uh, 40 years. And he's now focused on and preparing a new expedition that's an officially endorsed action of the ocean decade called the Polar Pod. It's an exploration of the Southern Ocean, so the ocean that's around Antarctica, which will help to collect data and observations on this little-known ocean basin. So the Polar Pod, this expedition, is going to be led by Jean-Louis, um, and the expedition will circumnavigate Antarctica twice, <clears throat> starting in summer 2025 is the goal, um, on board the, quote, zero-mission oceanographic platform, the Polar Pod. So this is also part of the reason, and I'm excited to talk to him about this today, is the zero-mission part of it, um, because this ship drifts. It doesn't uh, have engines, and how how are they making that work and making that happen in one of the most hostile environments uh, in the world? The ship is powered by six wind turbines, and it's designed to be vertically driven by currents in the winds, um, reaching heights to 100 meters. And they're constructing this ship later this year. Um, it's it's insane. I really encourage you. I'm going to tell you some more statistics about the ship and what it can do here in a second. Look this ship up. It the, the concept drawings are insane. It's really incredible what this could and should look like. Um, so the rig is going to be 330 feet high, weighs a thousand tons, and is sized to tackle the biggest waves in the world. Uh, because I don't know, I had a lot of friends in grad school who worked in Antarctica and did grad work in Antarctica. And that passage from <laughs> the tip of South America over Antar- to Antarctica is brutal. It's one of the, the craziest things that someone can do in a ship. Um, and so this ship will be in those Southern Ocean waters for long lengths of time. So it needs to be big and hefty in order to tackle these waves in order to drift on top of them. So the legs of lattice are made of steel that are up to two feet thick. Um, the structure of the, the gondola of the structure is made of where, where the people live is made of aluminum. The outer shell is made of a special steel to handle the most violent storms. Um, so like I said, my other job is, is shipping. So I was interested in the, the zero mission nature of it. So, the ship's going to drift, but to supply scientific equipment, lighting, telecommunications, IT, seawater desalination, hot water and cooking, electricity, um, it's going to be powered by those wind turbines and uh, photovoltaic cells uh, stored in lithium-ion batteries, giant lithium-ion batteries, because the the goal is to have people live in this polar pod for months at a time collecting data, and then they'll switch off. Uh, and new groups will come on, but as it's drifting, that they're going to be there for long periods of time. So it needs to be comfortable. <laughs> and I'm excited to talk to Jean-Louis about that too, is what is it like living on this ship uh, for the people who are going to be on it? So overall, the circumnavigation is going to be 24,000 24, kilometers at an average speed of one knot. Um, and it should last, you know, two years. That's the hope is to do the circumnavigation twice. Um and subject, you know, to headwinds and adverse currents, it's not going to follow a straight line. And I'm interested to see at the very end of this what kind of path it took following the currents. And it does have sails so that it can kind of self-adjust if need be. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, 
<clears throat> because it has to also get away from icebergs. That's another thing that you don't think about necessarily when you're sailing anywhere else in the world, but Antarctic and Arctic. Yep. You need to get away from those icebergs. We do not need a Titanic situation happening here. They do not have room for all those violins. It's just, it's not possible. Um, and like I said, go online to look at the website and the mock-up of this ship. They built the ship really with the question, what type of ship can provide a safe and comfortable work environment and last throughout the year? So you need a strong draft. You need it to be, if it's caught in deep waters. Um, and like I said, this ship design isn't completely new. Um, it's inspired by the flip uh, a U.S. oceanographic platform that's still active after 60 years uh, service. It's currently at Scripps. Um, and Jean-Louis talks about how, we'll talk about how he um, was able to go to Scripps and study and learn about this ship to get uh, information for the building of this new polar pod. So it's not a completely new idea and concept, but the where it's deployed and the scale of this, it's, it's going to be insane. Um, so this is a, f a French scientific project coordinated by the National Center for Scientific Research in partnership with the National Center for Space Studies and IFRMAR and has the support of 43 institutions and universities from 12 countries. It's a massive undertaking. This is one of the biggest uh, Ocean Decade actions that I've uh, been able to have on the show. And so after this really long introduction... I'm really excited. I'm going to turn to my guest. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and what's been your path to the Ocean Decade? Well, I'm uh, Jean-Louis Etienne. I'm the organizer of uh, many, many, many polar expeditions. And um, I have a work on the uh, Arctic Ocean. And uh, I'm uh, working on to, uh, to make an, a study on a Southern uh, Ocean, and um, so I heard that the um, Ocean Decade was uh, expecting some uh, some people to uh, to, to uh, increase the uh, the interest of uh, on the ocean, and uh, so uh, I I put my name on. That's fantastic, especially yeah, like you said the. The, southern, the need for work in the Southern Ocean, not just during the ocean decade, but in the ocean science world is is so important. Can you talk a little bit about why the Southern Ocean is so important to you? Uh, the Southern Ocean is not uh, is important not, not, not only for me. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's important for the, the, the planet itself. Um, you know, all the communication on the scientific communication on, on this uh, Southern Ocean, they end by the same sentence, we need long-term in-situ measurement. And uh, that was the question. And I started to think about how to do that. What kind of vessel can stay there in a very comfortable and safe conditions uh, on this, as you know, you heard about this, this very, very windy and rough ocean. And I started to think about the vessel, and, um, and, uh, and that's it. I started to work on this project since uh, 12 years now because it's so, so uh, unusual it's, uh, to, to design a vessel, vertical vessel. This is a, it was a, 
the project. Yeah, it is super unusual. And in my my day job, when I'm not hosting this podcast, I work on uh, zero mission maritime shipping. So I was really interested specifically in the in the vessel. So what has been the the process to design this, and what is it look what does it look like now? Is the vertical vessel? It's uh, 100 meter high and uh, 85 meter below the sea level. Uh, you know, the, 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 the worst place on the ocean is the surface where the wind and the ocean come together that make waves. And uh, in order to be stable, it's um, the, the, the 80 meter below the sea level, you are catch in the very, in this, in this, in the calm water. And, uh, and on the, on the surface, uh, we have three pipe and the waves can go through. Uh, we are not hurt by the waves. So we have made many, uh, many tests in a, in, on a, in a waves tank. And, uh, we realize that now we are, we have, uh, find a real good design in order that the, the, the pod will be able to stay vertically even when it's uh, very windy and, uh, and, uh, and the very big waves. That's so unusual and fantastic. Where is this ship being built? A part of the, uh, the, the, the ship is there is two parts. The upper side, uh, the upper part is uh, where we will live. And uh, this part will be uh, built in France. And the, um, the, 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 not the tripod, that we say the three pipe. Yeah. Uh, they will be uh, built in, in uh, South, America, South Africa because uh, uh, it's easy to, to build in there. And, uh, not, and we will have not to, to bring it so far, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you started this idea 12 years ago. When did the construction of the ship start? The construction that will be start um, in October, next October. And oh, great. It will take one and a half year. And um, so we plan to leave, we plan to start in the circumpolar uh, current in, in June 2025. Well, wow, that's so exciting that it's probably, you know, after all these years of work and you're getting closer to the launch, <laughs> you know, but still have a little bit left. But um, what's... You know, I have been inspired uh, by the FLIP, F-L-I-P. It's the same vessel. I mean, the vertical vessel, uh, the FLIP is, uh, has been built in 1962 by the U.S. Navy. Just to catch the sound of the submarine in the, the Pacific Ocean during the Cold War. And uh, we have been inspired by the, by the vessel. And the vessel, the fleet, is used now by the Scripps. Is the, yeah. The, uh, the, you know the Scripps, the institution? Scripps Oceanographic yeah, Institute, yeah, yeah. yeah. They use it for uh, about 10 years. And uh, so I spent several months in San Diego, California, in order to work with the Scripps people to design a new sort of new flip. Polapol is a new version of the new of the the, the old flip. Yeah, that's that's great. I didn't realize it was based off of that 
kind of old design. And so it's the ship is at the same time is very futuristic, but also taking into account things we've learned in the past about how to how to operate these. So but so the flip is currently in Southern California and other places, but what adjustments have had to be made? And you talked a little bit about this, but to deal with these long term time periods in the Southern Ocean. Well, you know, the, the, the polar pole will, is very, very stable. Is, uh, and uh, we test it in, uh, in the wave tanks and uh, many, many studies have been done. And, um, and the, the, the people will not stay there for three years because the plan is to do two time to turn around the, uh, the Antarctic continent twice. It, it could take three years, but uh, nobody will stay on board for three years. We will have a resupply and we're changing the crew every two months with a supply vessel. So uh, nobody will stay there for three years. Okay, that's good. And that was another question that I had, because when you think about the logistics of all of this, so how do you plan this logistically, you know, getting the supplies out to where people need it, changing out the crews. How, what have you had to do to help prepare for that this far in advance? Um, we, we have uh, built, it's already done, uh, a, a special vessel to do the, to do this resupply and then and, and change the crew. The name of the vessel is Perseverance. Perseverance, because we are working <laughs> on since so many years and but the, the perseverance is is done now, and um, the vessel perseverance will be on the shore, the close shore, and the, for example, it will start the the, the polar pod will start its drift uh, south um, south of South America, south of Cape Town. So the perseverance will stay there for a while, and then we'll move to La Réunion, and then we'll move to Kerguelen Island, and then we'll move to South. Australia, you know, the, 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 the supply vessel will be not too far. It will be the close, closest shore in order to, to, uh, to help if they need it. And, but every two months, it will carry a new crew and, and, and food and everything. That's great. And it's good that the, <laughs> it's very aptly named, I think. One other question that I had for you, too, was about the kind of overall purpose of this expedition. And so the, I had seen on uh, your website, kind of these different um, axes of the project. Can you talk a little bit about each of those? You know, the Southern Ocean is the major carbon sink of the planet. We think about that because the, 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 the uh, carbon dioxide um, uh, dissolve in the cold water and this huge surface around Antarctica, it's a huge surface, and it catch 50% of the CO2 catch by the all the world ocean. So we're gonna do this measurement, air sea exchange of CO2 um, uh, permanently, because the, uh, the, the polar pod will drift permanently with the current. We will move slowly and we will do this measurement of the CO2 exchange. And um, so we, we, have, we will have an idea about the performance of this ocean to catch the CO2. And we will have the measurements all year long because most of the oceanographic campaign 
they go there during the summer and then there is nobody to make the measurements. So the poropod will be able to, to have a scientist on board to measure the earth sea exchange. That's the uh, first one. Second one, uh, poropod is a silent vessel. There is no engine and no generator. We, the, the, the engine, the major engine, we can say is the current. The current, we will drift with the current around Antarctica and uh, we will get the, the electricity from the wind generators. We will have uh, six wind generators. We, so the poropod is, we can say, zero emission. And uh, it's a science vessel, so we will set hydrophone, hydrophone on board, and we will be able to, to, to do a census of marine life because we know the signature of, of all the species, you know, and by listening, we will, uh, we will do a census of marine life at the fourth season, not only during the summer. Um, other thing is we will do some analyze of the water in order to uh, have an idea about what kind of we can find uh, microplastic and uh, all the um, uh, all the contaminants and the fourth uh, uh, work is we we're going to calibrate the satellite measurements you know the satellites always need what they call the the, the ground truth so we will do the ground truth with the, 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 the waves, the wind, and the, and the color of the ocean. And in order to have an idea about the biological activity from the satellite. How many people are, are going to be on the ship at each time? And how many of them are you know, crew versus scientists versus you know, everybody else? It will be eight people on board, three, oh, wow. three sailors and four we can say um, oceanographic engineer because we it, it, it looks like uh, the International Space Station where there is many, many, many sensors and few people on board. And there is many, many, many sensors on board of the polar pod and only four um, scientific oceanographic engineer in order to, uh, to work with all those sensors and one person more, a scientist or somebody else. It will be always eight people on board. Do they have, you know, is it like a typical ship where they have um, kind of bunk beds or kind of cots that they'll sleep in? I'd love to like know more about what their everyday life will be like other than checking all the sensors, which is going to be essential. Oh, you, you mean the if the, the polar pod is comfortable for us? Yes. Oh, yes, it is. Each one has its own cabin. You know, a small oh, one, wow. small one, <laughs> small one, <laughs> small one. But uh, yeah, and um, it will be, it will be very comfortable. You know, because uh, this ocean is rough. But I, yeah. I say again, polar pod is much, much more comfortable than a, a normal vessel. I bet, and especially I think the the novelty of it being out there for so long and the the drifting is going to be really fascinating to get to understand these seasonal changes, but also the, um, you know, changes as you go around the whole continent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we will have to learn uh, how to uh, pilot this special vessel because um, we will be able to move. Uh, for example, if there is an iceberg on the road, 
we can move right or left. We have a sail, sail on board. There is two waves and sail. So we can put sail on one side or the other side and we can drift a bit in order to, uh, to, to, to be able to manage the, the direction. Well, that's good. <laughs> no, no, uh, sinking, sinking ships in the, in the Southern ocean. Cause you can't s- steer around an iceberg. What's going to happen with all this data afterward, after the expedition? So we, uh, we will, uh, uh, all the data will be open for all the, the scientists around the world. And the, most of the data, they will be sent in real time. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, most of them uh, will be sent to uh, to uh, the, the data that will be uh, in free access for all the scientists who want to work. And we will send it permanently. Uh, so the scientists who want to work on uh, on this project, they, they, they can do, they are open to, to work on it. What uh, partners have you been working with uh, in order to make the Polar Pod a reality? Well, that's a good question, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to find the, the, the money f- for such an event. Everybody say, wow, wonderful, you know, but uh, who may, who pay for that? <laughs> yeah. And um, for the French government pay for the building to build the, the polar pod. That's the state, uh, the French state who pay for the, the, to build it. Yes. And I have to, on my side, I have to raise the money for the expedition itself which means three years uh, expedition with uh, many people on board, many people on land. So, uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's a part of the job. Uh, you know, such a project is a, is a real enterprise uh, because uh, the, um, there is many, many aspects, regular aspect, uh, safety, um, I mean, you know, many, many, many things and raising the money which is a lot of work uh, every day. <laughs> Take a phone, hello. And this has been your whole career is raising money for amazing expeditions. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, true. I, I'm organizing expeditions since 40 years. And uh, so, um, it, but this one is very expensive. The, yes. the expedition itself, it's 18 million euro. But uh, we will have enough to start, and, and, and of course, I hope to find the money to do twice, uh, to, 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 to turn three, two times around in Erico. Yeah, and that's one of the things that the Ocean Decade 2 has been focusing on, is trying to figure out how do we fund these necessary studies and this interesting research and, and beyond, and because it's it's not simple for anything, even, you know, on land stuff, it's hard enough to do, but on the ocean, it, it adds extra costs and expense and time. And yeah, so I don't envy you. You're <laughs> on the phone all day, every, every day working on this. <laughs> you know, there is a satellite sent by the European, by Europe to, to Jupiter uh, to learn, to study the moons around Jupiter. The satellite, the cost of the satellites is one, uh, uh, two, close to two billion uh, euro. Wow! And with two billion euro, you can have a, a very 
very uh, uh, very good float to, to 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 study the ocean all around the world. There is more money for space than the ocean, much 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 more, because probably create more dream to go to Mars or to go to the Moon than to work in the Australian Ocean. No, but that yeah, but. I, I think that one of the things I was reading about you is that in addition to, you know, being a trailblazing explorer, you describe yourself as a committed environmentalist. And I think those two titles are really important. And how have you been able to link those roles throughout your, your whole career? Uh, you know, the, what the people need, what everybody needs to, to find the solution for climate change, for everything, they, they, they need a... Um, a education you know they need to understand the, the, how it's complicated and uh, they need to understand the part they can take to, to, for the solution and uh, uh, an expedition it's uh, as a power you know when you speak from the southern ocean or the north pole or everywhere you have the legitimacy you understand the the, the, the people you 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 are speaking about a real story. You are on land, you are at sea. You can speak about what you see. And uh, that's much more efficient. And myself, I love the, uh, the, um, I love the ed education. Yeah. You know? And uh, the, the, the polar pod, we will send, we will have, a, uh, we will send information, everything, every day. Now with the internet, you can, you can touch uh, so many people. It's a whole different, yeah whole different scenario. And talking about education, can you tell me a little bit more about the education components of this expedition and the polar pod? So the, the uh, mini bus and the tie pod, I'd love to learn <laughs> more about those. Yeah. 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 Oh, wait, we have a mini bus. The mini bus is going in, in France, of course, is going from one, one uh, school to another one. And every day he still, he started uh, in in, in uh, last November, and uh, so is is uh, one day, every day there is school at a school, and they moved to one another one, and uh, this is very very efficient. There is uh, every because you know here in France when you speak about the ocean, um, only the people who live on the coast they they are connected with the ocean. They uh, it's the same in the United States and yeah, a lot of countries. Yeah, they people inland don't get yes. it. Yeah, and uh, my idea is to 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 bring the ocean uh, in the mountains, you know, in the middle of the country, and uh, they don't realize that it's uh, the climate actor, very very important climate actor. They don't realize the ocean feed the half of the humanity, and uh, all the things we have to speak about. And the, for the people who live inside, uh, the ocean is uh, during the summertime, they go to the beach and, uh, and, and that's it. So there is a lot of work to do for educate the people to understand the, uh, how the, important, the ocean play a key role for the climate and uh, to feed the, the humanity. That's, that's so cool. How many schools has it gone to thus far? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this morning, the, my, my crew, they said, so far since November, we had 7,300,000 7, wow. uh, young people. Yeah, because uh, in the bus, there is um, uh, scienti a scientist with, 
We speak about that. There are many, many things to do. Well, they, it's very, very, I'm very happy. That's uh, what we call Ponapod, Ponapodibus. Podibus. Ponapodibus. <laughs> and there is another thing is what I call Tipod. Tipod means petit. Petit pod. Oh, yeah. Petit in French is little. You know? Tipod is the, is the boys, is, is the oceanographic boys, very made by the, uh, the uh, um, how do you say that, professional school? Yeah, by a, yeah, like a trade school or a... Yes. A, yeah. And they're working on, I've, I have found the money for this school. It's, uh, and they are build it, they build it very, 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 it's a real one. And we will take it and we will put in the uh, circumpolar ocean. And um, so, yeah, that's a, a special, special. Uh, that's a unique project for these students to be working on, yeah. Oh, yes. It's, they are fascinated, yeah. Very interesting. Teapot. That's, <laughs> that's an idea I had. Because, you know, myself, I started, I started, I, I, I was not a good at, at school, so good. And I started, I was not interested. I kind of said, good. And I, I did myself, I started by mechanical school myself. That's why um, uh, I know how it's important for the, the young who has some problem at school, uh, start in a professional activity very young. It's, um, yeah, that's why I, dev I developed this, this project, Tipod, for the, for the kids. Yeah, and you are, it's, all of these are great, you know, play on words and puns. You're the, in addition to being a great explorer, you're a great, uh, I love the, the names of all of these as well. They're fantastic. Um, the last one that your team told me about too was the ePod. Um, and so. Well, ePod is on, is on the computer. Ah. You, you will be able to build it. And uh, we are working with the American Society in Accenture. Accenture? Yes, Accenture, yeah. Accenture, yeah, they they will build the hipod. I mean, on a computer, the uh, the uh, you, you will be able to visit it and 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 to build piece by piece. The uh, that's what we call that hipod. That's so cool to be able to you know the people all around the world will be able to see what it's like as well. So what still has to happen other than? Uh, raising a little bit more money between now and when the expedition launches what are what's on your you know to-do list before then the the most important thing now is to start to build it and and then uh, and then we will uh, the, the scientific community they will uh, install the all the sensors on board we have uh, some tests to do um, and uh, well, it's moving very slowly, but uh, we have time. Uh, well, we have time. I hope now the departure will be in June 2025 because the, uh, it has been removed. Now we are sure it will, it will be started. So many things to do still, uh, how would you say, <laughs> raising money. It's a part of the job. But anyway, um, um, my job is to, uh, I talk with the, you, for example, talk to uh, medias in order to uh, to speak about this project to make it popular. And uh, have you heard about Jules Verne? Yes. 
Yeah, and it's a sort of project that Jules Verne could could uh, could design. I I agree completely. I read that when I was doing some research, and I couldn't have thought of a better analogy than that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm 76 this year. Um, 76 years young. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, when I said to the young, I've been to the North Pole in '86. I've been solo to the North Pole. You know. Yep. In the other time, was we are not GPS, we are not uh, Iridium phone. I mean, you are the, the and the, this made me very strong. And uh, when I arrived at the North Pole, I said, "That will be my life to organize polar expeditions." Are you going to be on the first expedition of the Polar Pod when it launches? Yes, yes, yes. At the beginning, of course. Uh, I'm very curious to to. Uh, to see if its answer is the the polar pod will really answer to our, all the questions we had, and uh, m- my dream is to do uh, um, to you know every two months we will have a resupply we, we change the crew to spend two months on each ocean ocean Indian Ocean Pacific and Atlantic Ocean that's a dream, but at the, at the end at the at the end uh, I will be eighty two I hope so. Well, and yeah, we have plenty of, we have a decade, you know, and, and when this launches in 2025, that's yes. halfway through the decade. <laughs> so we have plenty of more time at the other half of the decade in order to, to get that yeah. done. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The decade will be follow. We will, we will feed the decades uh, as better as we can. Yeah. You might have to, we might have to think of a, a different name for the ship than Polar Pod if it's in the Indian Ocean, or we can, <laughs> it can have the homage of the the original voyage. Yeah. So one question that I ask all my guests, and I'm really curious about your perspective on this. So at the end of the ocean decades, when we reach 2030 and we look back on what's happened over this time, what would have happened for you to consider this a successful ocean decade, a successful endeavor? You know, the, the ocean is a huge part of the, of the earth. Uh, it's not very well done. Uh, he has really been protected. He played a key role as the regulator of the climate because he catched eight, 93% of the heat. Um, it's not very well known. And as I told you, there is very huge investment for the space studies. And uh, the, uh, the scientists of the ocean, they need more consideration, more money. Consideration is okay, but more money, most investment in order to learn more about the ocean. It's so huge. We know the, just a little part. We know the surface, most of the way. We know the surface. We need to learn more about the ocean. And the, the decade is a very good opportunity to catch the attention of the people on Earth and uh, the, the the ocean. They for most of the people, the ocean is the is the shore during the summer. They go on a beach. It's more than that. And thanks to the decade to to catch the attention of the people, to understand more, we need the ocean for the climate. We need to feed the the population, and we need to to take care of it. Yeah, that's a great kind of combination of you know we need more data and more information because you're right. Most people's interaction with the ocean is, yeah, when they go to the beach and it's very, that just land 
ocean interaction, the coastal part, but there's so much more than that. And I think that the polar pod will be really helpful, especially with the the continuous data collection in the Southern Ocean, because that just doesn't exist uh, in any sort of substantive way at the moment. So where um, can my listeners go to learn more about uh, this fantastic expedition before it launches and keep track of what's happening? So we have a website and uh, it's in French, of course, but it is in English too. Perfect. So I'll put make sure that people have the link to that so that they can go follow along and yeah, would love to keep up to date with this. Uh, maybe we can even uh, work on a, a podcast recording from the Polar Pod when it's uh, <laughs> when it's in the ocean. You never know. We could try something new. Okay. Well, thank you so much for for joining, and thank you all for listening to the podcast this month. And we'll see you see you next month.